people want to believe. We just tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it isn't so easy to understand? This is No God. You are listening to the No God Podcast. I am here on this beautifully frigid February, February, yes. February day with my dad, Tony. Hello. February, and my, February 5th, to be exact. Oh, thank you. And my mom, Sandy. Hi, Micah. And Tony. Yeah. Hey, Sandy. Um, I hear you have a souvenir from Hawaii from MJ. Yes, I have head cold. And how oh. long have we been home? <laughs> Almost three weeks. Yeah, it won't go away. So, man, those Hawaii head cold germs. And she brought them here. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tony hasn't gotten it, so it must not be too contagious. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I won't be using that mic. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. How was your trip to Hawaii? It was great. Well, one, because we really just enjoy the kind of the everyday stuff. And so we didn't we didn't do a lot of like quote touristy stuff. Although we went to Volcano National Park and we went to a beach and we stayed at an Airbnb along the ocean, which was pretty cool. Nice. For a couple nights. Yeah, for a couple nights. But most of the time we were staying at your sister's home, our daughter and granddaughters and son in law, and just hanging out doing things that they do around their house and being involved in their family life and getting involved in meeting some of the people in the community and stuff. So that was really nice. a lot of fun. Nice. Amazing experience. Yep, very fun. Did you get a skip rocks on lava? I didn't even think to try that. Oh. I don't think you were allowed to do that. Well, if we were just standing out there on the lava beds. Well, oh, you're talking about hot, hot lava. lava. Oh, no, they we couldn't even get that close. Ah. We couldn't even get that close. Didn't want to be another older guy who made the news during the time what? that we yes, were in Hawaii. while we were there. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> Yes. Well, we didn't even we didn't try to skip rocks when we were walking on the hard lava either right. on the coast. Well, that's too easy. Well, besides that, there's gigantic waves coming up and hitting, so your rock wouldn't have gotten very far. <laughs> right. Right. Not sure it was safe to even try to throw a rock, be close enough to throw a rock into the ocean. Yes. The ocean was pretty, pretty, pretty violent. Yeah, but we had a good time. All it's right. Amazing. Good. Well, it's good to have you back. Thanks. What do you have for us today? Well, one, this podcast, if someone stumbles onto it or you're picking it up as we get it uh, available, starts officially our fourth season and also our actually our fourth year of the No God podcast. And so we're excited about that. The first three seasons, we had 40 podcasts, which are all still available, and we're glad to be able to do that. And that's one of the cool things is we hear from people from various places around the world and in the United States who have listened to a podcast and shared something that was either meaningful to yeah. them or just a question or whatever. And so we really appreciate that. Do you happen to know off the top of your head what is our most listened to podcast? Well, it is the first one, actually. Um, how can you love and fear God at mm-hmm. the same time? That one's been very popular. But I found that a lot of people, and as I've talked to a handful of people who eventually discover us but weren't on yep. board in the first you know, three years ago, for some reason, they decided they needed to start at the first podcast always. Uh, okay, yeah. Which is kind of so. I don't think that I don't think the first podcast is necessarily as popular as it is simply because it's first. I right. think it is a very a very answers a very prevalent question. 
But then, because then other podcasts don't get listened to because the numbers are not the same. It's not like people are walking all the way through it. But still, we're just really glad that some of them are still very helpful to people. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we still keep them all available mm-hmm. and so forth. So, yeah, glad to be able to do that. We have about 90% of our listeners, 88 to 90% of our listeners are in the United States and the rest are around the world, mainly Europe and Asia. Oh, nice. Nobody in South America. <gasps> we'll have to work on that. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Less prevalence of listening to English podcasts? I don't know. I just shrugged, but that doesn't come yeah. on the microphone. So, what are we going to be diving into with this season four? Well, <clears throat> to get us started, the podcast called No God was, I, I sat around for a year trying mm-hmm. to think of what I was going to call the podcast and brainstorm with you guys and other people and settled into know God because of the words of Jesus where he said he came basically so that people could know God and Mm -hmm. know him. And that just stood out to me as a core experience, maybe the experience. And then in the few years since then, as I uh, kind of expand my exposure to uh, other world religions, I realized that even though they don't necessarily call it know God, there is this desire to have a clear experience with something transcendent. Mm -hmm. And so their pursuit of how they do that has been interesting to me, uh, which leads us to this season. So we're going to talk occasionally, and we're going to have a whole episode, not this one. We're going to do a whole episode just on uh, No God, not the podcast, but actually what the scriptures give us as our... um, we should have a legitimate hope to know God. One of the avenues or one of the words that's very popular nowadays that I think helps us in this is the term mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And it kind of came to me uh, about a week ago, a little more than a week ago, as I was just reading news. And I saw um, that the passing of a Vietnamese monk in his 90s, thick, not Han, which I have no idea if I've pronounced that very close to what it should be like. But he's a Buddhist monk from Vietnam that got exiled from Vietnam during the Vietnam War um, and came to America mm-hmm. and also then ended up teaching at Princeton University, at Columbia University. Wow. He called for, an, he became one of the first voices to call for an end to the Vietnam War, not simply targeting America as the problem, but actually also the Vietnamese as a as people who are living outside of the realm of what should be happening. Mm -hmm. And so in 1966, he met Martin Luther King Jr. and was a notable um, influence with him. And actually then Martin Luther King Jr. turned around and nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of, so uh, people who didn't live in the 60s and early 70s don't realize that. But then he went on and it was kind of like, he didn't come to America just to like become a political figure or something. Because he, at the heart, was a monk, a teacher, and he began to spread Buddhism around the world. And he he started a monastery in France. And actually, there are many, many, many monasteries around the world, not like hundreds, but like there's more than 10 that follow his way, including one in Vietnam, which is where he eventually, in his last few years after he had had a stroke, was allowed to come back to Vietnam and lived in the monastery that was founded by his followers, and then he died there. 
And so this is not a podcast to say, hey, Christianity and Buddhism are the same thing. But this is a podcast to say that, guess what? Mindfulness came on the radar in America because of Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm. He is the one that brought it to the forefront. And eventually, now if you, if you like go to Amazon mm-hmm. and look for a book, just mindfulness, there are a bunch. And it is pretty much considered that he was the one that started that line of thinking and that type of conversation in America. Now, maybe it was just the changing of some terms because yeah. in the church and in Christianity, we tend to use the word meditation right. rather than mindfulness. But I thought that this podcast would be interesting for us to see that mindfulness does have a very specific uh, benefit for anybody, which is why it's so popular right. and also maybe what some of the limitations are. And so we're going to be talking about just some biblical um, kind of exposure to all of that, and then also where mindfulness comes from. And so he didn't discover it, but his life and his work brought the term to everyday Western life. And so now you can go to TED Talks and you can find mindfulness talks. You can read books on it. There's all kinds of seminars. There's actually retreat centers. Um in fact, the the uh, Airbnb that Sandy and I went to, we didn't go to it for this reason, but it was actually called uh, Ocean Temple. And it was kind of a design for people who wanted to have some meditation time. And so I just, you know, kind of caught my interest. And I thought, well, let's talk about that. All let's right. talk about what it means for Christians. Hmm. So I think if we can practice mindfulness, then we can be mindful and at peace. Mm-hmm. In the most chaotic times in our lives. Right. And right. even in the small chaotic times. You know, like <laughs> everyday life. It's right. like getting out the door to go to work. Or it's like getting ready to have a difficult conversation. Or it's like, I'm just not um, emotionally feeling at peace. Mm-hmm. I'm having a bad day. Yeah, And how to um, center oneself and what that means for the, the follower of Christ. So just curious. I didn't ask... Uh, Sandy or Micah to think about this ahead of time. Oh no, we're on but just spot. the kind of situation that you go. Yeah, this is a moment when I have to really pause, and I've got to, I've got to kind of get, I've got to get my head in the right place or get my heart in the right place. When my dog Jackson has decided to prance in his poop in the backyard and then tries to run inside. <laughs> oh my! And I'm trying to go to work. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, descriptive. <laughs> descriptive. Um, but yes, something that is unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's outside of the realm of what you want happening. Yes. And it's probably, at least for a time still, or has been repeatable. Yeah. yeah. It happened more than once. Yeah. Um, you have any, Mom, off the top of well, your head? Well, most of what I can think of is back when I worked, you right. know, and I was a paraprofessional in high school and then elementary school. But that when you're... <clears throat> um, are dealing with a child that is, or a teenager, um, that is um, getting um, triggered and then trying to not let myself get triggered. So right. then being mindful of, okay, take a deep breath, just, you know, this is the steps you're supposed to do, you know, so talking myself in my head through um, dealing with that so don't make it worse. Yeah, All right. I think, and in a less joking one, for me, um, in the last handful of years, I've started to develop where I 
have a lot of anxiety in crowded closed spaces okay like grocery stores uh, entrances to movie theaters things like that mm -hmm. um when i've had a few panic attacks in those situations so that's uh, a very common one for me i had to go to the grocery store after this podcast actually so oh wow. yeah so we all take a deep breath no and exhale <laughs> That is a good strategy. Right. In fact, that is core to most world religions. And it's also true of Christianity where <clears throat> Psalm 46, we've mm -hmm. talked about it before, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to have a path of knowing God, one of those steps is we've got to clear the yeah. chaos in our emotions and sometimes in our thinking. Um, and also to a degree, sometimes in our physicality, yeah. that is, we're stiff, we're sore, we're tight, we're tense, um, we're not feeling well. And so we're, breathing's a big part of mindfulness? Yes. And in fact, it's a pretty common beginning point, yeah. is to become aware of your breathing. And it's a pretty prevalent theme in the Bible too, correct? Right. It is the, the pause, it is... Mm -hmm. um, it's more of the be still part, the, yep. the breath, the, the, the uh, consideration to make in, when reading Bible, especially Old Testament, is that breath, it, breath is also the word for spirit. Okay. And so it gets a little, um, it, it, sometimes you have to ask the question, is this talking about actual physical breath or is this talking about uh, spirit? But it kind of gives a bit of depth to the um, symbiosis of the two. Right. I like that. And I also do believe, this is not the point of this podcast, but I believe that we, there should be no reason to not have a spiritual awareness. Mm -hmm. Notice I'm not saying like tactile awareness, right. like physical, of the presence of God's spirit right. in our lives and around us. And also to just even be you know, do, 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 you know, here's, here's Tony Kafka's opinion. I think there is an awareness of another, we think of, I'm, I'm aware of somebody in the room and we try to attribute that, or at least it's been tried to be explained as a physical awareness, mm -hmm. like vibrations or whatever. Yep. But I believe that we are, I mean, we are spiritual creatures, both spiritual and physical. And so there should be we should recognize a spiritual awareness oh, yeah. of another spirit, which would be another person. I like that. Hmm. And even go back to Genesis, the beginning of human story with Adam would be God breathed into Him, Adam. The breath of life. Right. Yes. And that is interpreted in Orthodox Christianity as the, the spirit that mm -hmm. was creating a spirit within this body that had been created and then that passage, again, I think is very important. And I think it's very important to this conversation because it is a uniqueness of, of Judaism and Christianity. And that is, and the other people of the book, the Muslims, yep. um, that is that human being is not a spirit who has a body. The human being is a body breathed in with spirit, becoming a living soul, which soul then is tricky because soul can be described as an animal who's yep. alive, but it can also, but in that particular passage, the definition of soul for the human being is 
the the putting together body and spirit yeah. and that becomes a living soul and we do have a whole podcast on we do that distinction mm-hmm. uh, maybe we will link it in the bio because I can't yeah, think of we uh, could do it yes. the name off the top of my head yeah well we have yeah there's a couple of podcasts that are that way and so that I appreciate you mentioning that because we'll remember to do that in our descriptive mm-hmm. descriptive stuff so to not get too far ahead because or too far afield here but we're talking about mindfulness and so mindfulness doesn't have to begin with breath but that's a very like breathing like just be aware of your breathing feel yourself breathe in hold it for a moment and what you're what makes it a mindful practice is you're not holding your breath like i'm going to explode because this person's doing that and that person no it is you're concentrating on the breath inside of your lung the air inside your lungs then as you let it out you think about the air going out it is a kind of a reset that that interrupts uh, a mental mm-hmm. line of thought, and it also can interrupt the rising of a of a, an adrenaline physical response to a situation. So yeah, breath is a common one, but it's not the only one. Now I'm just I'm going to talk about a, another thing that is interesting, and I joke about this a lot. Uh, well, not a lot, but from time to time, because when your mother and I, Sandy and I, um, my, Sandy was having the babies. I was involved as a husband in the sense <laughs> of the coaching for the birth. And so the, the thing in our era was Lamaze classes, which was the husband is supposed to be like a coach for the wife. And that's a whole... And it was make, a whole breathing thing. That's a whole breathing <laughs> thing. Yes. But it also, if you remember, it also was a deal where in the practice up to that, would you? I would apply pressure like on like your calf or something to create a distraction, and then you, by your breathing, you were supposed to be able to not notice the the pressure yeah. on your calf. Mm. Right. I, I when I get tattoos, I uh, bring a, a brass fidget spinner with me, and I squeeze it in my hand to distract me if the pain gets too much. Okay. Well, you know that worked fine in practicing. <laughs> but when you're actually in labor for many hours, yes. how was that, Tony? Well, so well, then it just becomes a distraction for you, so you feel you're not going to be in the way of the doctors. Well, not only that, it was... <laughs> the doctor wasn't there at that time. You're in the room having labor still. Let me just say this. Squeezing her calf in rehearsal was nothing like the pressure, because in Lamage you learn there is no pain in childbirth. Ha, ha. It's just pressure? It's just pressure, and so the transference of practicing with the pressure on the leg didn't really transfer to the pressure of <laughs> childbirth. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. I, I, Where's this going? Where this is going is in uh, the research that I did recently about mindfulness um, that people try it and then quit because mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Right. It is like it is less than 10% of the people who start off as, as surveys tell us. So mm-hmm. we may be missing some people. But in surveys, we find that less than 10% continue anything that resembles a daily practice of mindfulness. Hmm. And so then it's like anything else. It's like going to the gym right. in January. Right. <laughs> well, I tried that. It didn't work. Right. Or trying a diet. Well, I tried the such and such diet. It didn't work. Yeah, well, because time and consistency is yes the key, right? 
And so in the, uh, the world of mindfulness, you also have, um, and again, uh, Chopra, Deepak, I don't know if you are Deepak Chopra. He's a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and he has written like 50 or 75 books on mindfulness. And he started off as a young doctor practicing. And he's done a lot. He's, you know, he's covered a lot of research, but also then researchers, you know, find out information from him. And he just talked about that, you know, mindfulness has to become a way of life in order for it to benefit. Now, there's the benefit of mindfulness to just, in it, in some ways, to get a better life physically. Mm -hmm. That is, I have less tension, I'm healthier, all this kind of stuff because I'm practicing mindfulness. Um, and then there, I believe there's a mindfulness that as we um, get the body um, at peace, because I don't want to say under control, because we can control something that can be just as tense and stressed right. as it can be, yeah. but it is more at peace, then we realize that there still is a spiritual turmoil that can be brought to a peace. And the Bible talks about being at peace with God, being at peace with people, and even the future, the whole creation eventually being at mm -hmm. peace in Romans chapter eight. So there is this, this valid expectation that we should have as, as believers in Christ, that we should believe and put a hope in that he will, this, these pathways will give us hope. The cool thing is, but also the challenging part is, there's not just one exact way to practice mindfulness. And I think everybody has to find their own way. And and I've been kind of brainstorming within my own head, um, you know, talking mm -hmm. to myself and thinking about all the different ways that I practice mindfulness. And it is like different circumstances, different eras of my life, I've needed different practices. But they still come down to stop, be still. I like to, to quote that Psalm 46, be still. That's the first step of mindfulness. So whatever person does, but you can do a be still moment in 30 seconds, mm -hmm. even probably less. That would be like you get into a fender bender in rush hour traffic and you go, you just realize I'm going to be late for work. I'm going to have all this hassle. I'm going to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And here comes the other driver. You're going to exchange information or you're calling for the, uh, the police to come and create a report. You may not have a lot of time to do that initial moment of mindfulness, but ever most everybody would need a mindful moment at mm -hmm. that point. And it is such so a deal where you just go assess and to um, recognize what's good around you. Not just assess the horrible things, right. but to assess for the moment. This is good. I either need help just to think about it. You could be in a situation where you need to be rescued or you're the person that has to hop out of the car and take immediate action to help someone else. And so the mindful moment may be just literally one second. Yeah. But it is a second to just pause and realize I'm a person who God can use in this situation. Now, that's not the only thing because then that becomes 
some of your go-to mantras. And again, right. we don't mantra is not a word that's in the Bible. Right, right. It's more meditation. But when but sometimes when we think of the word meditation, what do we think of? Just um, well, just praying. Just praying a, a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. But a meditation and I hesitate to use the word mantra because I don't want to also I don't want to um minimize mm-hmm. the practice of that in religions that use mantra. Right. And we don't quoting a scripture to myself I can call it a mantra, but it's actually not a mantra defined by Eastern religions. Right, right. Okay, so just making sure that we know that. But the term mantra gets thrown around a lot in American culture now. It does. Somebody, hmm. in fact, I see it on Facebook. This is my mantra for the day. Yeah. Well, it's not a mantra. It's not a. It's not a Hindu or Buddhist mantra. That's for right, sure. Right. It's a man. So, and again, that's part of the Westernization of this. Um, the Vietnamese monk mm-hmm. Han who who kind of expanded this to um, the Western culture. And so it is that I take a moment um, and I have a scriptural truth. And so I'm just going to jump into a practice at this point because theory practice, the practice is uh, that I've had uh, use scripture familiarity and memorize scripture to guide me. Mm -hmm. And so some, so I have, you know, way back in the time before, yes, Billy, before, before computers mm-hmm. uh, were available, at least to usual people like me, I would just write them on a card mm-hmm. and I would write a scripture on the card and I tended to try to make them short enough that I could either memorize them easily or I could glance at a card and be reminded of the mindfulness. And so the mindfulness practice became um, using the same scripture for an extended period of time, usually not just a day. It's usually more like a week or even longer. And so, for example, um, in order to, to, to um, keep myself mindful as I was in Hawaii um, visiting family, spending a lot of time with family, um, as a dad, in all the years that my kids were growing up, I know that they would never have necessarily thought of the James 1 passage that says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. I don't think that that would have been the description that my kids would have given to me. That, that I listened longer than I talked. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. In fact, you're listening to a podcast right now, and I'm doing all the talking. <laughs> so I'm going to say this, and I'm going to hand it off to Sandy and Micah to kind of give their... But for me, most... Because this is a recent thing, and, it, and even is simpler than some of the passages that I've used in the past. But I just thought, as I prayed about and I and had my daily... Uh, devotional times, the passage in James 1 came to my mind, which is, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And so I put that as an eight o'clock reminder on my phone for every day, repeating every day. And so every day I did a mindful moment of how am I going to, I'm going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And for my time, I was interpreting that as spend more time listening than I do talking. That's how I measured that. And I think it's a fair application of that teaching mm-hmm. out of the book of James. And I feel like, I mean, I felt like I know my family better because of that. And I also had the opportunity to meet some people that were not family, just friends of mm-hmm. them and just as such, and just listen. And man, so often I wanted to make a comment, but my mindfulness said, nope, we're here to listen. Hmm. Hmm. 
It's good. So I'm just curious, um, in the sense of what a person would call a mantra or at least a go-to um, uh, guide to control thoughts and behaviors to keep oneself in the moment, because I want to be in the moment with people. I didn't want to be sitting there thinking the whole time, well, this is going to be what I'm going to say next after they say what. Mm -hmm. I just listened and tried to just take it in and and ask maybe to clarify or just listen long enough for them to clarify on their own. And I just felt like I did the right thing for me on that in that uh, time period. Nice. So, do either you have like a, just a memory of something that you've done to kind of a repeatable thing that you used over at least a day, if not longer, that kind of guided you to a mindful spot where you weren't racing with your thoughts going a hundred different directions or have an agenda or just being at peace in the moment? I know for a long time, this isn't uh, strictly a Bible verse, but for the coming through 12-step recovery programs, the uh, recovery prayer, is that what it's called? Yep, serenity prayer. Serenity, serenity prayer. prayer, there we go. Yes. I was forgetting the name of it. That has been very helpful to me. Um, especially during that time, not as I don't use it quite as much anymore. But yeah, um, just in when things seem out of control. All right. So you yeah. just actually used it then as a prayer, at least yes. maybe, maybe part or all of that mm -hmm. quote. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot. I, I that's something I used to pray that prayer on the way to work every day. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, that's um, I have one clear memory of I driving with a friend and I was very stressed out about something, and he very very casually. Pretending like this had nothing to do with what was going on. She's like, what was that? What was that? Uh, that, that that prayer they do at your recovery thing? So I started <laughs> got home to accept the things I cannot change. And, um, and he's like, wait, what was that line again? Oh. And that's kind of when it's, I started using it in situations where it's kind of spiraling into anxiety. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I've had different scriptures like that, but <clears throat> at the moment I can't think of one. The, uh, the other one that's been... Big for me. I have a tattoo of it right here. You guys can't see it. But um, I got a symbolic representation of Micah 7 8. Uh, when I uh, fall, I will rise. When I am in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Uh, and so that one was one for more of uh, kind of coming out of a, a, a time of depression. Mm -hmm. Just to, okay, things seem bad now, but God's going to be my light. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to permanently put it on me right and that's a that is that's the kind of thing that we are talking about and that's what anybody who's listening to the podcast you want to find those um those truths that can recenter your mind and that's a mindful practice well and that's through the years you know i mean I've had gobs of psalm mm -hmm. verses that have done that for me um, and that often would just come to my mind, not as often as it used to as I'm getting older, but, um, you know, that then I could just say it over in my mind or if I was just by myself, say it out loud, pray it, whatever. Um, so, you know, when you, if somebody's looking for something, psalms is a good place to go. You just read a psalm every day and then... Um, when there's a verse that you think, oh, I, I could probably use that sometime, you write it on a card and keep it. You know, I have a little mm -hmm. wooden box that's just the right size for like business card oh, yeah. like right. things. Mm -hmm. And it is just 
uh, through the years, I would always have these cards that I had my verses that I was working on, not just Psalms. And so those are all there, you know, where I, if I'm thinking, oh, what, what was that verse? It was from this book or whatever. I can go in there and find it, put it in my pocket for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I know I have a friend that um, she has a whiteboard on one of her walls that she just kind of puts a Bible verse for the month for her whole family. Um, but it's mostly for her. Um, right. And just it's a space where she sees it all the time walking past and it's often a psalm or another kind of meditative scripture to mm-hmm. remind her to be calm, trust God, something like that. All right. Um, another book that I ran across, Ma- uh, Matthew Sokolov, who wrote a book called Practicing Mindfulness in 2018. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to take um, Han's theories of mindfulness and kind of make them accessible for Americans and for English-speaking people. And so in just part of his book, he just says, and I'm just going to kind of give you a list because I think it will help a person to realize what mindfulness is about. Because he talks about eight eight aspects of practicing mindfulness. So it'd be like asking the question, so how do I know when I'm doing something that's mindful? Right. Okay. So this is what he says, being fully present, which is in the moment um, with another person or being alone mm-hmm. and not being someplace else in my mind. Right. So that's one. Another one is seeing clearly. And I think that it's maybe understanding, but it's also actually pausing. And let's, because I read it, because this was just a summary in this book that he had. So I'm expanding on that a little bit. I think that a lot of us would benefit tremendously in a mindful way if we would just pay attention in a moment to one of our five senses. Yeah. Now we think about oft, often the the breath, which is actually not a sense. It's you know it's an activity of the body. But so let's just think. So we often think about what am I? What do I see? Because this is saying seeing clearly. Mm-hmm. But I at times to practice mindfulness to get myself just recentered, I will be outside and just consciously say the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. The clouds are moving. That cloud is gray. Yeah. There's a bird, you know. I had a, a a middle school teacher that when we were talking about poetry and getting ready to write poetry, the way she had to start was we sat and we first, we closed our eyes and then we wrote down everything we could hear. And then you wrote poetry after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So the five senses, you know, the ability to, you know, seeing hearing, touching, tasting, smelling. Mm -hmm. And just anybody listening, and even the three of us sitting around this uh, podcast, which one is really underutilized in your life? Mm -hmm. Which one do you not ever use as a centering practice? Yeah. Honestly, I think um, tasting and smelling, if diet is something you're struggling with, I think that being present while you're eating can be very helpful there because mm-hmm. if you really think about everything you're tasting to take the time to do it then you're not going to eat as fast not going to um consume as much good point yeah i like i mean i i think that's a fantastic thing for people to think about because it's not only helpful to the diet but it actually centers it becomes a mindful mm-hmm. practice 
Um, I know that for me, if I, I don't taste and smell much, if I'm sharing food in a situation that I feel stressed, right. You know, like, you know, working meetings where you have a lunch, <laughs> that's not a thing for me. It doesn't, it's not a helpful thing. Um, but, and that brings us to some things that we'll talk about in other podcasts, but we've got to clean up. We have to have ways to be mindful about our relationships and then strategies to have peace in our relationships because that is a huge disruptor slash trigger for us in having a oneness. And as mm-hmm. we, so let me, let me keep going here. So I'm going to just kind of walk through the rest of these really quick. So nine aspects, we already said being fully present, seeing yeah. clearly, letting go of judgment, mm-hmm. oh. being equanimous. What? Did I say that right? Equanimous. I think we're killing that word. What's it mean? It means jovial with everybody. It means accepting. Okay. So being accepting. We did not pronounce that word right. If someone wants to tell us how to pronounce I it, know, they I, can. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't roll off the tongue for me. Uh, allowing everything to belong. Mm-hmm. In other words, I don't have to fix anything around me right at the moment. Oh, yeah. Huh. Cultivating a beginner's mind. Let's go back to square one. Let's start at the beginning. Um, I even think that sometimes cultivating a beginner's, beginner's mind for at least me is say the ABCs slowly. I'm like when I first learned the ABCs and it kind of resets, reminds me, okay, this is what it means to be a beginner. Um, Then making a friend is a practice of mindfulness because I'm, I am being present with that person. Mm -hmm. So I've got to really focus on them to make a friend and honoring yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made Psalm 139. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those are the nine aspects from that author. And I just kind of want to move us because we're at a point where we want to kind of bring this podcast down to some, uh, not just practical stuff, but also to kind of just give you some things to think about. But what I find is the concepts that are in, give me a second here, James, for starters, James 4, 7 to 9. Like I told you, James 1 is where I picked up the um, be quick to listen, slow to speak. But in James 4, um, verse 8, it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And a a, uh, thing that works against mindfulness is being double-minded. Meaning I'm doing two things. I've got two things in my mind at the same time. And actually double-minded actually is the word that's then in other translations translated as uh, hypocritical. And so if I'm being dishonest with myself, dishonest with the people around me, and even in denial about what's going on around me, then I am going to be, that's a moment that says I need mindfulness. Because mindfulness means having one mind. It means I have one thought on my mind. Now, I know that in mindfulness, in uh, Hindu and Buddhist practice, some of that is having nothing on your mind. But that's not what we're talking about in this podcast. We're talking about having only one thing. And so if I'm going to have one thing on my mind, mindfulness practice is 
Well, I just saw that cute dog run down the street. And so it's not that you don't go, oh, I wish I had a dog like that. That's that you've just lost. You've become um, double-minded. Yeah. Okay. Because now you are not just appreciating that animal. You're now envying that you don't have that animal. Right. And so mindfulness is not that easy to begin to understand until you actually begin to really think about it's only thinking about one thing yeah. at a time. So it'd be appreciating a moment without also having the um, anxiety of this moment's passing. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And to my photographer friends, you're going to have to tell me how this works when you... I understand the single-minded pursuit to find a great picture. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you have a moment when something wonderful appears and instead of just letting it be, the second thing in my mind is, I got to take a picture of this. I, uh, For me, I know I pers- per, uh, purposefully sometimes don't take a camera with me because I want to actually experience. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the very specifics is when I went to go watch um, the full uh, solar eclipse. Right. Is I specifically did not have a camera with me because I wanted to experience it. Right. But when I am going to take a photo of something, my mind is just on the composition of what that looks like. And I don't know how to explain it exactly, but I'm kind of experiencing it through the camera, but I'm experiencing it as the work of art that I want it to look like. And so you could call that a single, you feel like that could be a definition of single-mindedness. But now, if I'm trying to do that and be in an event like... Um, when we do Christmas stuff, I do a lot of photography with that. A lot of times I need to just, I'll concentrate on the photo aspect for a bit, but then I need to put it aside and be there. Right. Um, cause I can be at one with taking the photo, but I'm not experiencing the moment. Right. I'm yeah. experiencing the photo, which is a beautiful process for me, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's not the same thing. So I have to not try to mix the two if I really want to be fully in either one. Right. Yeah. But that is a legitimate, pro- I mean, because we could say, well, I'm single-minded one second at a time. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's fair. Yeah. And you can't be moment to moment, but if you start to blend them, then they're leaking over. And I think that's where a person has to really um, create a practice of mindfulness to be able to tell when they've crossed over from a mindful experience to now a double-minded experience. Right. Or triple mind. you know, I mean. Yeah. It's like... I'd say there's nothing wrong with um, loving to share things on social media, but there's probably good to have boundaries of, okay, I'm going to focus on this is what I want to share on social media of this moment, but now I'm putting that aside and I'm being in it. Right. Hmm. So I like, I mean, I like what I'm hearing and what we're talking about, and I hope that others that are listening can begin to at least see the value of mindfulness because mm-hmm. we haven't given we've give, we've sketched out a couple of practices that might yeah. be helpful to people but it is it is true that mindfulness i think is going to be rare to be able to go from one thing to the next in a matter of seconds and right. seconds that keep because that's like that's like bouncing you know that's like bouncing from thought to thought and that's not mindfulness right but i do believe like as micah was sharing that we can have an intent purpose of because part of taking, let's just let's just stick to even any kind of, of photograph that's going to be a work of art. Yep. There is a mind of 
um, potentially, I want some. I, I want a gift to share with others, mm-hmm. and so this becomes that. Um, the double mindedness in that is tough because it may be, and I also need to sell a good picture and make some money. Right, and that's where mindfulness really comes into play because ultimately mindfulness leads us we can't become a mindful person if we don't sort our priorities yeah and so if i'm doing let's just say photography or any kind of art just to make money then that's that yeah well that's with my painting um i don't take on commissions that i don't feel a connection to like if someone's talking about like this is what i want this i want and like that's I'm not going to create anything good because I'm not going to be able to be in that work because right. it just doesn't, it doesn't, I don't feel it. Yeah. But then if someone like comes to me like, I want this and like, ah, I, that is something that I will be able to get into. And I'm not even thinking about that. I'm making it for this person or whatever. I will be able to just be in it. Yeah. Well, I want to just kind of wrap up. Hmm the where we want to get and there's a lot of good passages but i just want to finish up with luke chapter six which is jesus speaking in another kind of format that has some of the things that are in the sermon on the mount in matthew chapter five six and seven so jesus had these these teachings that he did in a few different settings and so this is a different setting but he just talks he says um, a tree is known by its own fruit so tree own fruit it's it is connected so that implies a mindfulness a tree is not known by five fruits. It's known right. by one fruit. So a mindful self, a mindful person is known as one, as a whole, not scattered person, but a mm-hmm. whole person. Um, for uh, people don't gather figs from thorns. They don't pick grapes from a briar bush. So there's this consistency of what comes out of our lives comes right. from what's inside of us. That's what this passage is talking about. So the good man out of a good storehouse treasure it says in some translations but a storehouse um that's in his heart brings forth what is good and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart if we fill our hearts with a a a non-filtered input Mm. then a non-filtered output comes and it can be destructive to ourselves and to the people around us. But if a person is mindful in what we let our mind get focused on, and I think that a mindful practice also then begins to um, disperse um, negative and, and evil thoughts in our lives. I think that that the, the power that this passage says, and there's other passages that talk about it, is that good stored up pushes the evil to the side and out. Now, it's not just human effort that does it. There's God at work in us to be able to accomplish that. But we want to have this ability to store up good inside. And I think that a mindful practice stores up good for the moment and then creates in us um, a new, uh, a different thing filling our souls. And so then we end up with God searches our hearts. He knows our minds. And he his call to us is to be holy which is just a word for one mm-hmm. it's a wholeness and what and his his 
will for us is that we don't have all these distractions and don't have all this chaos going on in our thoughts, in our souls, and even the chaos within our bodies. And so he, he wants to bring um, that unity inside of us. And so he searches and he's given us the Holy Spirit to search us and then to help purify us, to cleanse us, but also to make us holy, which is, again, we think about being like God is, you know, that's holiness is being like God, but it's also just being seamlessly letting the goodness of God flow out of us. Yeah. And that takes a mindful approach and it takes being, there's a lot of facets of that, but mindfulness is a place that we can always begin every day and every moment uh, in order to, to grow that way. So there's a lot more to be said on this topic, yeah. both in our podcast and also we're, we'll add some resources on our Patreon page, uh, which is Patreon, Tony Kafka. You can find that. There's also links on our website yep. for that. TonyKafka.com. TonyKafka.com. You can contact us uh, the same way, nogod at TonyKafka.com. Yep. I think you'd love to have some questions on this topic too as well. Yes. Yeah, from whatever experience, because mindfulness is one of those experiences that people who don't necessarily see themselves as followers of Christ and people who are following Christ have this this uh, realization that mindfulness is good mm-hmm. for the human being. Yeah, We know that we all need it. So we want to get there. So blessed are the pure or whole in heart, as Jesus said. If you have any questions, just email us at nogod at tonykafka.com. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A dot com. <laughs>